When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Broncos brought a rager to town over the weekend. And a different rager than uh, maybe, Todd, you were used to with the Broncos after winning Super Bowls. It wasn't that type of rager. <laughs> Broncos made a higher, which we're going to break down later in the show. But, guys, weekend of football in the books. And the Ravens weren't able to get it done. Let's talk about these games on the DNVR Broncos podcast. Maybe how it couldn't relate to the Broncos, but really dive into these games with Super Bowl 50 champ Todd Davis, Henry mm-hmm. Chisholm, Zach Stevens. We got you here behind the camera to uh, what game was better yesterday? Uh, it has to be uh, the 49ers-Lions game. Tell two halves. Um, like the first half, didn't like the second half. <laughs> um, but it was a much better game than the Ravens-Chiefs. Chiefs once again come away with a win. And uh, there was no enforcers, man. I think that the the Ravens came with no juice, no energy. Nobody really, like, smacked Patrick Mahomes or um, mm-hmm. Travis Kelsey in the mouth to really make it a game. It just kind of was like they were kind of just sitting there taking it. So, and, like, you could see that, too. Like, they, they look like there's no juice. And then all of a sudden, Terrell Suggs comes out, and they, like, introduce him to the fans. And he's, like, showing his ring and all that. Everybody's fired up. And they immediately just, like, stuff three runs, and it's a three and out. And it's like, oh, wait, all it took was like Terrell Sugg showing up and you're like this great defense now. And then he left and then they sucked again. Yeah. And because this is, I guess, a game that impacts the Broncos a little more being AFC, mm-hmm. being the Chiefs freaking winning again. Let's start with this game. <laughs> and uh, uh, Todd, we were talking about it before. You were like, this game was so boring. Yep. And uh, it was over when the Chiefs went back-to-back drives to start the game with a touchdown. When they were up 14-0, <laughs> yeah. it, it, the game was over. And, and, I mean, so it was a boring game from there on out after that. Um, and, and I want to start with what we were talking about before the game. You mentioned Travis Kelsey. No one was, was punched him in the face. Mm-hmm. And it's just like this guy, once again, you look at the stat sheet, almost 10 catches or 10 catches over 100 yards, a touchdown. And when you're watching the game, He's just open the whole time. How does the best defense in the NFL let that happen? Yeah, they're not playing enough man. I don't know if they were scared of uh, Patrick Mahomes being able to get open um, through, like, running lanes because people had their back turned. Mm. But they weren't playing enough man. They weren't getting any hands on Travis Kelsey. And uh, if you just sit back in zone, I think he's smart enough to find just the little openings in zone. And they're not big, but they're enough for, you know, that Kelsey Mahomes magic to work out and find each other and – 
once again, they find a way to get a win. Yeah, mm -hmm. they do. Uh, so, Henry, how big of a deal is Travis Kelsey to this offense? To, to I this mean, he's team? good, obviously, but we knew that. Like, I feel like I didn't learn anything from that game. Like, it's just <laughs> the exact same thing they do. But that's the thing, though, is the Ravens don't play man defense. Like, they just don't do it. Like, they want to play zone because they've got all those big, long guys. They've got Kyle Hamilton, like... Okay, thanks, Todd. Um, but but I mean, you, the camera's not even on me. You know what I meant. The, like, you, oh, I like that we got the elite thing back there too. Um, yeah, I mean that's that's what they do, and that's what made them so good. And like, you go into a game like that, and you have to decide: like, are we just going to be ourselves? Or are we going to try to change? And when you're the better team, you usually just say like, let's go do what we do, and not worry about what they do. And they did that, and it didn't work because. Like the Travis Kelsey. And I don't even think it was Kelsey as much. It was Mahomes extending those plays. Mm -hmm. Like when you look at all those catches, I mean, like early on, like it, it's those third downs in particular. Like there's the one where Mahomes is on his way to the ground and is like throws it up in front of him and Kelsey's right there. And even even the couple times they did play, man, he was able to get free. So they just, I mean, it, you just can't stop Patrick Mahomes on third down. Like that's what it comes down to is there, there's just no way to do it. And I think that that's pretty obvious. I don't. I don't know that there's another there's definitely not another quarterback in the NFL who could get that Chiefs team to the Super Bowl. I don't know if there ever has been one. Like he might be the only guy who could do that. I I disagree and that's really? something that's gone under the radar and they started to get some credit last night. The Chiefs defense yeah. is unfortunately very legit. This isn't Patrick Mahomes carrying an awful depleted team to the Super Bowl. Really? Maybe he's doing that on offense mm -hmm. outside. I mean, but the thing is, they do have a, a good offensive line now. They were out without Joe Tooney yeah. yesterday, and I thought that that was really going to hurt him, and it didn't really come up that big. And obviously, you have Travis Kelsey. Um, but that Chiefs defense, remember, and I had to remind myself this in the second half yesterday, mm -hmm. that's the likely MVP, Lamar Jackson, mm -hmm. that was 100% pedestrian that offense that put easily put up what 34 points the week before against the texans defense that was playing really hot yeah um they just they made that chiefs or they they made that ravens offense unbelievably pedestrian for yeah. sure and i yeah i think that's a good thing to talk about because if you can hold the chiefs to 17 points that's usually a win like oh my mm -hmm. that was a goal for us playing the chiefs like if we can just give them a 17 like we got a way to you know find a way to win the game and if you lose you can point to the offense and I say so. you guys messed up i think so because i mean they put up 10 points chiefs defense is playing really good right now and i think um didn't expect that going into the game and i felt like lamar jackson and uh the rest of the group should have found more ways i think there was a couple of, like costly penalties like tawny yep. penalties and things like that that we're a little trash, in my opinion. Chiefs could do a little bit more um, than the Ravens could, but there was a little... I'm not saying it was a referee bias, but I don't know if they're wearing white and black or red and yellow, but <laughs> yeah. it is what it is. So did you well, have a problem with the Zay Flowers taunting? Yeah, I don't like it. I think Travis Kelsey was yapping the whole time. Mm -hmm. And even when there was a costly penalty, it was like a two-minute drill. And somebody yeah. kind of pushed Travis Kelsey back. Of course, it's always the second man that gets in trouble. Right, but right. I think he's doing things all game long. People are taunting. There's this been a chippy game. Like, you know, you got to let the guys play at some point. He it's just the knows the line so well, though. Like, like, he'll just stand there and he'll just talk and talk and talk and know that, like, you're not going to get a penalty just for sitting here and talking. 
Like, you're just not going to do it. You spin the ball or, like, you get in somebody's face. Like, that's you get in trouble. But if you just want to stand right here and scream, you can just scream all day. And eventually, one of those yeah. guys on the other side is going to get so pissed off, they shove you, and then, boom, you get 15 yards, and then he goes and does his little laughy thing. And, like, I, you got to give him credit for it. Like, he's maybe the best instigator in the league. Like, nobody else does that as well as he does, where he just talks and talks and talks, and eventually somebody just slaps him, and then it's 15 free yards. And that's that's the thing to me with the Ravens is that they just they shot themselves in the foot like every, everybody shot themselves in the foot. I mean, you said it was over after those first two drives. I didn't think so. I thought even going into that fourth quarter, they were going to do it like like mm. you. We saw them like they just kept getting down the red zone and the turnovers and Lamar throws the bad pick like they, they had all the mistakes that they had. But those penalties, those were killers like you just gave them free points before halftime by just handing yeah. them 30 yards. I mean, the coaching. How do you, you're the best running team in the NFL and you run on first down three times. I think there were 16 opportunities. You run on first down three times and I get, you get there and you say, we've got the MVP and we just, we're just going to put the ball in his hands, but you didn't, you didn't do what got you there. And so then all of a sudden you're behind the sticks because the passing game isn't working. The defense doesn't have to respect the run and they ran for more than five yards per carry. Like they could have just handed the ball off, but I think they panicked because they saw a chief score early and thought, oh, we've got to get to like 30 points here. That was not the case. Mm -hmm. Like, you just do what you can do to get down the field. And it turns out if they could have just put together a couple drives and played the field position game, they would have probably gone and won the game. Like, they, to me, I, I think they looked like by far the more talented team. Uh, you can't say better team just because, like, good teams don't shoot themselves in the foot over and over and over again. But to me, they beat themselves. Like, you look at Mahomes on third downs and you look at the Ravens just, like, blowing their chances. And those are the two things that kind of stole the game. Yeah, and I mean, the Chiefs, it felt like, took their foot off the gas. Mm -hmm. um, and even then, it just, 14, was, wasn't it 14-0? Mm -hmm. And it was like, oh, man, this thing is done. Huh. And Zay Flowers, speaking of shooting It wasn't 14-0 either. It was 14-7? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, 17-7, um, right? Yeah. To me, I Same thought thing. there huh. was zero chance that the Ravens were coming back there. Um, because, again, just that Kansas City defense. And to me, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. From a Broncos perspective... Looking at the Chiefs and being like, um, it's not all Patrick Mahomes. Now, obviously, you give him credit because he makes the plays. He got them the early lead, yeah. and then they were just able to go on cruise control. But now it's like a really good defense. They might lose some pieces, but also they, they still have good pieces. And mm -hmm. it's just, what, four out of six years now Mahomes has been in the Super Bowl? Yep. And obviously six straight AFC championship games. We've talked about that this entire time, but... Crossing our fingers that the 49ers <laughs> can beat them. I, yeah, but I, I still look back. Like, the Ravens had 5.9 yards per play. Like, they were good on offense. They were beating that defense. They just didn't take advantage. Like, Detroit had 5.9 yards per play this year, finished third in the NFL. Like, I was not that impressed by the Chiefs' defense. Like, I think, again, like, the Ravens just kind of, they killed themselves. I, don't, I didn't, at least my opinion didn't change at all. From that one. I mean, coming up with a, two finish. turnovers yeah. in a, yeah. one, one, a takeaway, one in the mm -hmm. end zone, a pick, which, one, what's Lamar Jackson doing throwing that ball into triple coverage? Two, what's exactly. Isaiah likely doing calling for the ball? Mm -hmm. He's throwing his hand up when yeah. he's in triple coverage. Um, but, I mean, you just can't throw that ball. And then the other yep. one, Zay Flowers, that drive, he might have cost them the game exactly. right yeah. there because that taunting penalty to me was like maybe you don't like the taunting rule and i can get behind that just let guys talk let guys do whatever that's fine but that rule was in place before yesterday's mm -hmm. game he does three things that all yeah. deserve the flag so i'm like man you just made a big play 
Exactly. Just don't do any of those three things. He, like they he had pushed their him opportunities. down. He threw the ball. He stood over him. Yeah. Um, and then later that exact same drive, he dives for the end zone. Mm-hmm. We talked about it one week ago mm-hmm. with you're not supposed to reach the ball over the goal line unless it's a dire situation, a fourth yep. down, something like that. Mm-hmm. And this was as least dire as possible. I mean, he could have gone down at the one, yeah. and they would have first and goal from the one. Yep. You only need three, too. It's like, yep. oh, You don't need the touchdown there. Goodness. That's yeah. the one. That's the play where if that happens, then maybe I definitely would have been like, okay, now now the Ravens have a chance. But mm-hmm. nope. Didn't happen. Do you guys think it was rigged? We're seeing some comments that uh, people are saying it was rigged for the Chiefs to win. Um, well, you, it starts with the uh, the uh, choice of referees. We talked about <laughs> that earlier yeah. in the week about who um, these referees favored when they, you know, call games. Um, there was a couple of questionable calls. Um, they show Taylor Swift just as much as any <laughs> head coach or player on either either yeah. sideline. Um, Maybe. I, w- I wouldn't put it past the NFL. I don't know if I specifically saw a lot that said it was rigged, but it seems like it's working out just how they wanted it to. Mm. The, I mean, you can't rig Zay Flowers doing, like, just dumb thing after dumb thing in the most important moment. Like, nobody told Lamar to throw that ball into triple coverage. That's true. Like they, yeah, Isaiah like, maybe. did. <laughs> well, I guess Isaiah likely did. Also, that's another one where, like, they're never going to call pass interference there because it's triple coverage. Right. But, like, he did get hit way before that ball got there. But it's one of those where it's like you you kind of get what you deserve. Like it, it sometimes it seems like in the NBA if there are like two guys there and they're both like jumping up and one guy like gives like a little shove, they're not going to call it because you shouldn't be taking that shot. It was one of those where I think by the letter of the law that pick shouldn't have happened, but you can't like you throw in a triple coverage and it's picked. The refs are not going to bail you out of that. Um mm-hmm. but that's not the point. I mean, I, the, the NFL isn't rigged. I'm just that's my stance and I'm not going to change it. The NFL isn't rigged. Um and th- like you look at the things that went wrong. I don't I think the penalties were the right call. I think that the Ravens were just stupid. I think uh, that is what killed them is just being stupid. Like from top to bottom. Every like the whole list from the coaches to Lamar throwing that pick to to everybody who got a stupid 15-yard penalty to uh Zay Flowers and like his whole list like they were just stupid, and that's why they lost. And that's where, like, the Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, Travis Kelsey team, they're not going to be stupid. They're just not. Yeah. yeah. That was the difference. And d- if if this was, let's say yesterday was totally rigged, mm-hmm. who would the NFL want to have won both games? Taylor Swift. Oh, so second one? Probably the 49ers in there? Probably 49. Yeah. 49ers. So the NFL Either got way. what they wanted? Exactly what they wanted. You know, what's interesting is Either way. I, I agree with you. Um, I think they could have been able to build up the Dolphins or, or the, the Lions enough, but uh-huh. you have San Francisco. You have the Bay Area. The Bay so Area. I, I agree with you. Um, what's interesting is over at game time, mm-hmm. Super Bowl tickets have dropped drastically. They went from when I saw. Since. So when oh, we talked about it on Friday, the, okay. tickets uh-huh. were eight, the cheapest ticket to get in. Was eighty nine hundred dollars. Okay. Now the cheapest. No. Okay. I take that back. It's the exact same. Uh. Um, <laughs> tickets have not changed at all. The price to get in for the Super Bowl is eighty eight hundred dollars for all in to get in at the Super Bowl. And if you want to go to the Super Bowl, Game Time is going to hook you up with a hundred dollars off 
just a fraction of that $8,800, but still $100 off. If you're going to go, what could you do with that $100 when you're in Vegas? Use the code VEGAS100 for $100 off the big game. Or if you just want to go to any game mm -hmm. or any um, other sporting event, the Nuggets, the Avs, any concert, use the code DNVR to get $20 off any ticket. So if you're going to the big game in Vegas, you're going to be there with us. Use the code VEGAS100 for $100 off. And then any other thing, download the Game Time app and use the code DNVR for $20 off. And shout out to our friends over at Bet365. Um, yesterday, I was a little busy, but as soon as that ball hit the Lions defender in the face mask <laughs> and the 49ers <laughs> caught it, I wanted to, wanted to run to Bet365 and bet the biggest amount on the 49ers <laughs> comeback. Because when things happen like that, they've been talking about this curse over Detroit. I don't know. But that was one of the craziest things I had ever seen. My that was goodness. a horrible yeah. ball by Brock Purdy. Yep. That's so an interception 95% of the time. Yep. Went through his hands and then hit his face. Yep. Hit him right <laughs> in the face. But check out our friends over at Bet365. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe every sport should be epic. And right now, new customers can choose between two offers when they open an account at Bet365. You can use code DNVR365 to sign up. Deposit $10 and choose between either the bet and get offer in place a bet of $5 or more and get 150 in bonus bets or the first bet safety net offer by placing a bet up to $2,000. That's big money like Hank has. Oh, yeah. and, if you're, and if your qualifying bet loses, you receive a match refund and bonus bets. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. Man, how about this to wrap up our conversation on the Chiefs? Two quick things. One, you hear just sent... Taylor Swift has generated $331.5 million in brand value mm. for the NFL and the Chiefs. Which, those numbers, they're not real. Like, like they go through and make them. Mean? Well, because advertising value, at this point, like all the numbers say, you don't get what you pay for with advertising money. They didn't pay for anything. Oh, exactly. But, but they're saying, like, they should have had to pay, like, 300 and whatever million. Uh -huh. But really, like what so pepsi blows like a billion bucks or whatever on advertising they do not get a billion dollars in returns from that so they they can like say that that's what it is but like that's just like inflated prices from big companies know, paying big companies no it's how it works she made a billion dollars on one tour yeah. i guarantee oh, yeah. you oh, the yeah. amount of little girls that are tuning in to see chiefs football and catch yep. a glimpse of taylor swift is worth about three at least 300 it's not, million it's, it's my brother's birthday today so shout out to phil happy birthday, happy birthday I, phil. I, I talked to him before the show to, to wish my birthday and uh, he uh, uh reminded me that his younger daughter uh -huh. who's seven years old is a chiefs fan despite him her dad being a diehard broncos fan yep. for his entire life why Taylor Swift. Swift. I'm telling so, you. I mean, uh, I, I actually buy. I'm with Todd. I, I think that there is actually so much value to Taylor Swift. Whether you like it or not, there's yeah. a reason they show her more than they show Andy Reid, John yes. Harbaugh, any other fans that are in the stands. And there's a reason why there was reports already, joking reports, but serious reports, building up hype before the game yesterday that Taylor Swift is going to be at the Super Bowl mm. if the Chiefs made it, which they did despite her being in Tokyo for a concert the night before. Wow. She, she's actually going to... There's a TikTok out there that did the math. She'll be... If she does it the way they think that she can do it, she'll be in Vegas at 4 p.m. 
on Saturday with plenty of time to go yeah. to the Super Bowl. She yeah. even has your hair down there. Like, <laughs> yeah. He knows the schedule and everything. Like, like the whole thing is like it comes up on my TikTok. I follow sports. <laughs> so my sports, my sports TikTok has intersected with like Taylor TikTok. And yep. I, I don't like Taylor Swift. Yeah. I don't like her music. It's not for me. But like all my TikTok is NFL Taylor Swift, NFL Taylor Swift. I'm over it already. Like I'm done with it. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, unfortunately, I think definitely. And the Ravens, like, yeah, they could have talked about Lamar Jackson, but for them to be able to have Taylor Swift on their side, unfortunately. And so to wrap up this conversation before we get to the next game, Henry, are the Chiefs still one of the three or four worst teams in the NFL? They have Mahomes. It doesn't matter. <laughs> like, it just doesn't matter. That's what we look like. This, this is probably their low point as a team. Like, in terms, maybe, I mean, pretty close, honestly. Like, Mahomes cap hits aren't going to change all that much. Like if they're able to win with this team, they'll be able to win with anybody. Like they're this, like it, it happened in my mind. Like Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback there's ever been. He's going to be winning. <laughs> He's got three or four more Super Bowls in him. He can carry this garbage this far. Like maybe Dang. you could have some hope that Travis Kelsey and Andy Reid will leave and that'll change things. But now, nah, I mean, if you, if you can do it with this group, I mean, he, he would have this year's Broncos in the Super Bowl easily. Like he would he would have just about any team in the league, I think, pretty uh, at least in the playoffs and probably making a decent run. Like that's just where we are now and it's 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 pretty disappointing. Yeah, I was just trying to um I was just trying to joke with you and you brought it very serious yeah. and dark, oh, but I mean, I don't a little morbid. I don't don't uh I don't just I mean, it's just it's yeah. hard to disagree no. with, with what yeah. we've seen. I thought what, they were terrible all year. Said, right. And they were terrible. But it, it just doesn't matter. Like you get you get to third downs and Mahomes is going to convert it. Like he will get you enough points every single game. And maybe the Ravens, like, they could have just like played that out like an actual football team instead of just acting like a bunch of clowns, but they didn't. And good things happen for them. They're in the Super Bowl. How many does he have? He's won two. Yeah. He's won two. He's yep. won two. So he's gonna get his third. He's what, like twenty eight? Like he's he's, it would be a shock to me if he's not the best ever when he retires, and uh, th which means why not just start saying it now? You know, mm, just getting ahead of the curve now. Um, it's just the way it is, man. Hopefully the 49ers can pull it off. But before we like preview the Super Bowl, which we're gonna do, we're gonna be at the Super Bowl. By the way, we're gonna yep. be there all next week. So make sure to tune in. It's a blast of a week. We get so many guests on uh, to talk about Broncos, talk about the NFL. We had a blast last year. It's going to be a blast this year. Starting next Monday, we're going to be out at Radio Row. But let's talk about the other game, the NFC Championship game. And I want to start with this question. Did Dan Campbell cost the Lions the game? It's hard to say yes because that mentality is what got them there in the exactly. first place. Mm. So I don't think you can just change up. I think one at one point in the game, he did take a field goal instead of going for it. I know he really wanted to. It was um, a short field goal. Um, but I think that that mentality is what helped them to get to where they are and to even be in that NFC championship. So for him to change then, it would felt like he wasn't being true to himself. And I don't know if it was worth it to change. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, you want to look back. Hindsight's always twenty twenty. But I think that's what got them there. I think they could have stayed with it. And besides a couple of drop passes, they really had good opportunities to get those fourth downs. Yeah, and I think if you want to say that he cost him the game, the arguments, the, the run on third down at the end that forced him to use a timeout. That like, was there bad. was no reason for that. But at mm -hmm. the same time, the game was probably already lost at that point. 
Like maybe they would have gone out there and stopped three runs in a row and then gotten the ball back and had like a chance to send overtime. But again, like the game was kind of lost at that point for me. So yeah, I agree. Like there's he, I, I can't really find anything to blame him for. Oh my goodness. I couldn't disagree with more with you guys. And How? I do get what you're saying <laughs> about this is what got him here being mm-hmm. aggressive, mm-hmm. but there is a difference between being aggressive and just being absolutely reckless. And that's what I feel like he was. Both of the times that he went for it on fourth down, one to start the second half, mm-hmm. that one where he went for it, you kick a field goal and you get a three possession lead instead of a two possession lead early in the second half. That's a big deal. Now, let's say they had an 11 point lead and a field goal would have made it 14. And he's like, no, I want that three possession lead. So I'm going to go for it here. Then I get what he's thinking there. But What's the difference between a 17-point lead and a 21-point lead? Like, what what more was he looking for on that first drive? That just made no sense to me. Like, the, the 49ers have to score three times if you kick a field goal here in order to be ahead of you. They, they have to. If not, if, if you go for this and you miss it, then they only need to score twice. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, to me, I just, that was, like, not playing the numbers or being in, that to me, that was just, like, so reckless to because uh, two possession to three possessions so different where am i seeing this wrong no i don't think you're seeing it wrong i think that's just two points of views different points of views i think the energy and the emotion is what got them there i think you have to you have to stay with it because i know if your guys are sitting on the sideline and we all know that we usually go for it and we see you take your foot off the gas like oh we're gonna kick it i think it changes the energy on the sideline mm-hmm. and then there's no way in his mind he's thinking they're about to create a create a big play 50-yard bomb by going off my player's <laughs> face mask. Oh, and by the way, two or three plays later, we're going to fumble on the 25-yard line right. to get them ball. Like, that. that's not going through his head. Yeah. He's thinking if we just play semi-good to how we've been playing, we're, this is going to put us in a great position to win this game. And I think if those two things don't happen, they might actually come away with the win. But yeah. Outside of his fourth, and fourth down, like whether he goes for it or not, yeah. if those two plays do not happen, I think they win the game. That's fair. But then, Dan, if you kick the field goal there, then even with those two big plays that turn the game, you're still up three. Yeah. You're still up three. Now, momentum is not on your side, but the all. game is still slightly in your favor because I once then it was a tied game. It was like, I mean, I think the odds were San Francisco being mm-hmm. a tied game. Mm-hmm. It was minus 300. Like Vegas was saying, mm-hmm. yeah, this, they, they have this one in the back. And I don't think anyone disagreed with that mm-hmm. really at all. But it's like, man, you still had that lead. So mm-hmm. I totally disagree with yeah. that one. Well, I mean, like he's just a math guy and like he's just going by the book. He's gone by the book all season. Like that's why they're second in the NFL and fourth down conversions. Like that's what they do is if the numbers say you go for it then you go for it. And both of like both times the numbers pretty clearly said like it's about 2% difference in win percentage which in the grand scheme of this stuff is actually like a big swing. Like the numbers say go for it. If you've built yourself as being a numbers team, you can't just throw that out the window now that you get to this point. Like you are who you are. Like I I think I think it would have been a much worse look if they had lost the game and they had kicked those field goals cuz that's when you get to come up here and roast them and say like Kind of like the Ravens offensively, we where you say, like, we get it's Lamar, but, like, you run the football. That's what you do. You just decided not to run. Like, what kind of idiot would show up to that game in those circumstances with the best running game in the NFL and then just not run the football? Like, that's an incredibly stupid thing to do. Like, it would be the same thing to me if, if they had lost this game and Dan Campbell had had decided to start kicking those field goals. You'd be like, 
what is wrong with you? Like you just blew this in this way and it happened to play out the other way. But it, I mean, because of that, like you, you went with your identity. That's the right thing to do, man. I just, again, that two possession to three possession thing. And also it's not like he's never kicked field goals. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I mean, how many field goals did the lions kick this year? Probably a lot. 45 mm -hmm. yarder. Uh, so that was my issue with the first. And then the second, I just didn't understand really at the, uh, when they're down three, seven minutes left. Uh, and they decide to go for it on fourth mm -hmm. down just to to change it from an uh whether he should have been aggressive and, and stuck by it i just don't understand what the end goal is on that drive uh -huh. aren't you happy with tying it up like maybe not thrilled yeah you want a touchdown but then are you going to go for it every single fourth down once you go for it one time when you're passing up like a 45 yarder are, are you going to go for it every single time until you get a no. touchdown no it goes by the numbers like again that one was exactly a two percent change like the the idea was when would the numbers change though like i do think at some point tell me anything more than fourth and five maybe is when the number change right, 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 like right, that. Right, yeah, right. yeah. Yep. i think so this um again this is ben baldwin who does a good job like he has his own model um but he said there was a 53 percent chance that you were going to uh to to get it if you go for it if it works you got 40 percent chance of winning if it doesn't work you got 15 percent chance of winning field goal it's 32 percent and 13 percent like it's the go for it there's a 28 percent chance by the book if you kick the field goal there's a 26 percent chance and so like when you've again like you've built your identity on being the analytics guy like you you see this as you get a 28 percent chance of winning or 26 percent chance of winning which you want you want the 28% chance of winning. Plus, then you get to throw in, like, it empowers the players. So, if anything, you would think there'd be, like, a boost in terms of the energy that comes from that. Like, you're in a game that's high scoring. You've been successful. So, I'm not I'm not sure that these numbers factor in what's happened so far in the game. But I would imagine the split's even wider if you factor in how explosive they've been on offense up to that point. So, I, And that's the one that St. Brown just dropped, right? Yep. No, that was, uh, that that was, was the, the one, one where Jared Goff was on the run. And Saint, it, the ball landed like two yards away from St. Brown. He oh, tried to turn yeah, yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was the St. Brown, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And to, to me, that the, the thing about analytics is I totally get be aggressive. Mm -hmm. And if you live by analytics, you're going to die by analytics. Yeah. But you also have to understand you can't, he's not just looking. I can't imagine that a football guy like Dan Campbell mm -hmm. is just looking at the analytics and not taking anything else into account. Mm -hmm. And we're talking about a 2% difference. Yeah. What else happened or didn't happen in that second half? Um, you uh, were not playing well on offense mm -hmm. at all. At all. You had, uh, what, seven points in the second half, and that came at the very end of the game. So at that point in the game, you had zero points mm -hmm. in the second half. And this was with seven minutes left in the fourth quarter. You have to realize your offense isn't doing very good things. So now you're in a position to tie the game. I just don't like that. Um, and then I guess the other decision in that game, like, like Henry touched on earlier, was running the ball on third down there to, and then blowing that was, the timeout. Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, my goodness. But at that point, you're probably cooked anyway. Like, like but then you just don't give yourself a chance. Now you're relying, speaking of analytics, definitely. you're relying on a 2% chance at, re yeah. at recovering an onside kick, oh, which totally. you have to do there. But yeah, I mean, but what you're really thinking is like, we've got a great running game. Like, we can just punch this thing in and they're not going to expect us to run here. And, like, again, it's a gamble, and it didn't work out. Like, definitely the wrong decision. Just throw the ball two more times and make something happen. But, again, like, at that point, the odds of them coming back were slim. To me, the game was lost well before then. Why? Because I mean, it, it sounds they were like, just down it sounds by so like much. Dan Campbell, though. It, 
What I'm saying is I do blame Dan Campbell. Now, obviously, huh. a lot of more pieces. He doesn't get 100% of the blame. Uh-huh. Um, but he's probably my number one, is making what mm. I think is two just, like, ridiculous calls. What do you think the number one reason is why they lost? Oh, geez. Uh, I mean, that guy, uh, Brandon Ayuk, making that catch, that probably stands out. Um, I, it wasn't, to me, a game where one guy really did a whole lot. I mean, I think early down runs, I think they got themselves to, like, the 49ers did a bunch of second and fives. I think that that was kind of a game changer. But I don't think that there was, like, one big, like, here's why they lost. And, yeah, I feel the same way. I feel like the second half was kind of, Broncos-esque <laughs> to start the season where it wasn't one guy doing a bad thing. Yeah. It was St. Brown dropping a pass. It was golf drops, with a missed yeah. throw. It was Gibbs with a with a uh, with a fumble. Um, it was defenders not getting home in time. It was uh, them letting block Brock Purdy escape with the middle seven times. Like it was one guy doing wrong on so many different plays that led to this. Um, totally so fair. it's hard to just point your finger at one person, but. That's what that's what our problem was to start the season. Yeah. We couldn't figure out who was at fault because one time it's the outside linebacker, one time it's the corner, one time it's the safety. Like everybody was just doing wrong at the at different times, and then the offense was exploiting it. And then we saw to relate this to the Broncos, just like you did a great job up top. We saw how that one person doing something wrong on each play yep. can lead to catastrophe. The For Broncos sure. had a massive lead on the Commanders and then blew it because of that. They give up 70 mm-hmm. points to one team mm-hmm. because one guy, every single play, at least one guy was doing something wrong, and it just it leads to disaster. And that's exactly what happened to the Detroit Lions was yep. absolute disaster. I did think it, it was the fumble. It was Jameer Gibbs fumbling that ball. If there was, like, one big thing, because that was right after the touchdown, that's what gave him the free. The momentum like, was over. Yeah. yeah. That, that, to me, that was – I guess the game isn't over at that point because it's a tie game and you get the ball. But that was, like – the if you're if you're looking at one moment that was it and the combination if you could combine that with the iuk thing right before like that's easily that was where everything changed no for for me no one but sam laporta could hold on to a football uh-huh. whether it's jameer gibbs mm-hmm. with that fumble um st brown dropped a pass yep. reynolds dropped a pass i mean multiple passes it was like yep. they, you mentioned that fourth down that hit him it, it was bad especially it early was, in the game that's when i felt it the most it felt like I can't remember which play in particular, but they just looked kind of shaky. The very first drive. It was that first drive, yeah. yeah where it just like, it, it was really, the receivers looked like they were like shaking when they tried to catch the ball. The Lions? Yeah, they just did not look But prepared. they scored a touchdown on that drive. Oh, yeah, it worked out. But like, they did not look like they were ready to be there. Man, is that a good thing? Is it a good thing that the 49ers came back? Who do you think has a better chance of knocking off the Chiefs? Was it no the 49ers drive, yeah. or... The Lions. I want your answer after I tell you about Circle mm. K. If you're making the road trip out to Vegas, you're going to stop by a couple of Circle Ks on the way, and you're going to want to be part of their inner circle, which is going to get you 25 cents off a gallon on your first five Phillips. It's also going to get you your first five uh, Polar Pops for free. Every sixth item that you purchase is going to be free. And if you want a free Polar Pop right now, text 3131. That's DNVR uh, or text DNVR 231310 to, uh, and that, that's text DNVR to that number, and you're going to get a free Polar Pop to download the app, download the QR code, uh, or scan the QR code to download the app and get in on the inner circle. It's They're giving you free money. You got to get gas anyways, so you might as well do it at Circle K and get that discount. Oh, sorry. I was just looking. I can't believe they 
gave up a seven play, seventy yard drive with like five minutes to go. Like it was just so easy after after they didn't get that. Like you would have thought that they could have gotten that. That's what I'm saying. It was there. over when they when the Forty ers tied it up. The game was over. Yeah, everyone uh, knew it yeah. inside and out. Yeah, I mean it felt over, but get like. It was really over when they let him go seven plays, 70 yards with seven minutes left, like yep. with a, th- a three point deficit. Yeah. Like that was like you would you, you just got to find a way to get a stop there. But they don't have a great defense. Um, if you kick the field goal there, then you at least can go down and tie the game yeah. with the touchdown. You get the touchdown. You, you only need a field goal, you know. Yeah. You only need a field goal to tie. After. But yeah, um, <laughs> there it is. Uh, Breckenridge Brewery. Yep. Uh, Breckenridge Brewery is awesome. Um, I what did I drink? I had some Avalanche Amber Ales. I had, I think, some Mango Mosaic, and there was one other. I think it was the Palisade Peach. I think those are the three beers from Breckenridge I had this weekend. Um, and hopefully you guys had a bunch of them too. Uh, we were actually here for that Nuggets game when <laughs> when Embiid just decided not to play again, and it was incredible. Yeah. Because because what happened was they like took him off the injury report. Is like Embiid is good to go. Like. He's just fine. And then an hour before the game, like two of the the like Tobias Harris, uh, Tyrese Maxey, second and third best players for the Sixers are out. Like they're injured, and so everybody's like, "Oh, it's kind of Justin Bead out there." And then like ten minutes before the game, it's like, "Oh, the trainers saw some left knee soreness in him." Doesn't even make any sense. Yeah. But that's what they said. And then he sits out and just ducks him. Is unwilling to sit on the bench. Back to back years, he just hasn't even sat on the bench during that game when he sat out because um, he's embarrassed yeah but it was crazy because we got to the bar i was here like a half hour before the game like all the tables are taken we wound up sitting up here because like it was that packed because it was such a big game like i had friends who went and like paid a lot for tickets to go see and b just backs out at the last second that guy's a loser that's what it comes down to um but it was a lot more fun because of the breckenridge beers yeah yeah absolutely yeah. uh go to go to breckbrew.com for the beer locator got a bunch at the bar if you want to come here but they're in just about the entire country so Put in your zip code, it'll tell you where to go to get those beers. Okay, so quick answer. Mm-hmm. Without doing too much in-depth research, because we're going to get into that over the next two weeks leading up to the Super Bowl, who has the best chance to beat the Chiefs? Was it the Lions or, or, or is it the 49ers? I'll probably say the 49ers. Better defense. I don't know if that matters right now, the way Kelsey Mahomes are playing and the unit's playing, but I think overall the 49ers are the better team to go up against the, uh, the Chiefs. I, I'm not sure. I mean, I wasn't impressed by 49ers defense. Like, they didn't get any pressure. Haven't been the past two they, weeks. Yeah, no. they... Like, even with all those drops, the Lions put 31 on them. And I do think the Lions offense is better than the Chiefs, but that, like, I've just all year, I guess, been, like, skewing the Mahomes calculation where it's like it just doesn't it just doesn't matter. Like, you, you don't need to have great receivers if he can just, like, wiggle around for 10 seconds. So I don't know. Like part of me thinks I would take like the lions just because I know that they could put up a big number on the chiefs Niners. Like maybe they can just run that defense over, especially if Willie Gay's out, but with two more weeks, I guess he probably is back. It to me, it just doesn't matter. I think going into the game, I wrote on our Broncos pick them over at the DNVR.com that the 49ers had the best chance of any of the remaining teams to beat the chiefs. Mm-hmm. But then I don't know what's happened to the 49ers defense. They were, I think technically the third, second best defense in terms of points. Yep. And back-to-back weeks have really been unimpressive. And so first half after yesterday, I legitimately thought the Lions were going to beat the Chiefs in the yeah. Super Bowl. And maybe they did too. And that's why they just overlooked the second half. Um, so af- hindsight, man, probably Lions. But like 
maybe you give Brock Purdy some credit for pulling it out. Something that Kyle Shanahan has not been able to do, Brock Purdy's now done twice. Kyle Shanahan, the one thing he's been awful at, outside of not winning a Super Bowl, is just fourth quarter comebacks. For mm-hmm. whatever reason, his teams have not been able to have fourth quarter comebacks, which just doesn't make sense. He's an offensive head coach mm-hmm. uh, and an offensive genius, and his teams haven't been able to come back. Now, Brock Purdy's done two games in a row deep in the fourth quarter. I don't know if it's Brock Purdy. I can't get behind That's the fair. train. Like, That's yeah, <laughs> Watching the games, like I don't think it's him. I think good. if anything, it's, he's the one putting the team in questionable situations, yeah. and if you're even I a agree. good player, you make the most of it. Um so who do you give the credit for the fourth quarter comeback? For the comebacks? Um, Jameer Gibbs. You? Yeah, you. <laughs> Dan Campbell. Yeah. Like. Bishop McCaffrey, yeah, yeah. that big run and drive. Yeah, I don't, yeah, I'm not sure. That's totally fair, totally fair. Okay, let's. we're going to continue to break down this Super Bowl in the next few weeks. But right now, let's take a look. One of the things the Broncos did this weekend, which really flew under the radar, they hired a new vice president of player personnel, a senior member. This is a a low-key big move. Now, Mm -hmm. it's hard to realize how big moves are when they're a front office guy. And it's a guy that no one's ever heard of, Cody Rager joining the staff. But this is a vice president of player personnel. From my understanding, he has a college scouting background. Um, He came from the Saints, Mm -hmm. which we'll get into in a second. Uh, He's really been only on the college side, but now his job with the Broncos is everything. He's going to have player personnel from pro and college. George Payton made this hire. Mm-hmm. But what does this mean for George? Is this a good thing for George Payton? Or is this a bad thing for George Payton? I think it's a good thing for George Payton because, one, this guy doesn't have experience in every area that he's now over. Yeah. So I think George Payton has a way to teach him some things that he still needs to know. Um, and then also I do feel like this may be one of Sean's guys or have some kind of connection with Sean. So I think it's a good look to mm-hmm. bring somebody in that's close to Sean and mm-hmm. kind of keep him under your wing. Uh, but I think it's also a, a tough situation because now that guy is in the rooms and he does have a connection with Sean. So I think, I think George is safe now, but if anything, it starts looking like crazy. And this guy starts seeing a lot of like crazy moves that like he can't really understand. I think the first person he may talk to is probably Sean. Mm. So it's a little give, yeah. a little take, a little good, a little bad. The whole hierarchy doesn't really make sense. Like, it's, it's the BP thing that doesn't really, like, I don't get why he would be a vice president. Like, happy for him, and I bet he's great at his job and all that. But when you look at it, like, so you got the, the owners at the top, and then Penner or not Penner, Peyton and Peyton are kind of like equals in theory and how that plays out is whatever you think, but like they're technically equals. And then you have a VP under Peyton, I guess, but you also have an assistant GM in Moogie who now your assistant GM is probably the number three because Cody Rager has Rager Rager. We don't know his name. Um, like isn't a VP. You still have Kelly Klein. Who's like, special assistant to the GM, which who the hell knows what that means. So the whole thing is kind of unclear. What we do know is that he was the assistant college scouting director. So you would think that this is kind of like a bump up to more of like a scout a college scouting director would be the natural place, but it's player personnel, which includes college and pro. So the whole hierarchy is just kind of like to me, it's, it's what happens when you have owners come in with a bunch of money. And so you can just say like, Hey, whatever the saints are going to give you as a promotion, We'll give you a better title. You'll probably do the same thing. We can give you more money because we can give you the better title. Like, 
let's just keep giving people big titles and spending money. That's how I see it. But the the hierarchy is just kind of it doesn't make sense. And I wouldn't. You're right. It, yeah. it doesn't make sense. We know what the hierarchy is. Mm-hmm. Uh, when it comes to uh, like information gathering, everyone gathers information. Mm-hmm. Uh, George Payton kind of shuffles it through, and then Sean Payton's gonna come in, and they're gonna collaboratively make the decisions together. It, it's it's just another what this move is is it's getting Sean Payton, someone that he knows he's mm-hmm. comfortable with mm-hmm. uh, in, in this area, and also he is he's 34 years old, I believe. So he he really is a rising star. The Saints did not want to lose him. I, I talked to uh, someone out there, and they mm-hmm. actually really did like him. So I don't mm-hmm. know if they were actually working on a promotion for him, and that's why he got an extra Probably. big bump for the Broncos. Um, but this is someone that's worked with Sean Payton, and when it comes to George Payton, for months now, a year actually, when the Broncos traded for Sean Payton, we all thought that George Payton was on the hot seat, and mm-hmm. rightfully so. Thought maybe a one and five start, it was really on the hot seat. I agree with you, Todd. Mm-hmm. I think in the short term, this is good news for George Payton because I actually thought that maybe the Broncos were just going to fire George right after the season or fire George right after the draft, mm-hmm. and then they would bring in uh, like the number two uh, from from New Orleans. Mm-hmm. Now they're bringing someone in lower to potentially groom, to, ne- to be the next GM. Yeah. So I think this, now I think that George is going to be here for the next year. I think so too. And then mm-hmm. uh, maybe this isn't good for the future of George Payton. Like maybe after a whole year with him under there, if Sean's comfortable enough with him taking over as the GM spot, or if another team wants to poach him, uh, being a very young general manager, then the Broncos promote him to GM. But I actually think that this is good news for George Payton, and it's George and Sean kind of bridging a gap or trying to bridge a gap between those two of Sean bringing more guys from New Orleans, but it's not a guy that's just going to completely take over George's spot. Yeah. yeah, and I think it's another, he's more of another uh, information gatherer, like you said. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's coming in to make any decisions. I think he's mm-hmm. coming in to just bring another set of eyes and ears to the guys that are being recruited. And he may fall even underneath the third GM. I don't even exactly. think he's that high on the list. Exactly. Just another way to kind of see what's out there. Exactly. Yeah. And so so Sean Payton, I guess him and Mickey Loomis promoted him to their national scout. Um, or maybe one of their national scouts. They might have had others um, when Sean was there, which means he's like their almost like your big school scout. Like it's his job to go be friends with whoever whether it's like Nick Saban or Kirby Smart or Ryan Day or whoever like the big schools. And so having that guy coming from SEC territory, like you would think that his strength is that when a Brock Bowers comes out, he's been talking to everybody there because he spent so much time there because his job as the national scout is to zero in on like the big prospects to go around and get all the big guys. Whereas you know, the, your like regional scout, he'd be like the, depending on how many you have, maybe he's like the West. So he's like the Pac-12 schools, the Mountain West schools. And then if there's like any big sky schools, like maybe he makes a trip up there if there's somebody you're interested in. And so, but you get kind of all those levels. When Sean, I guess when Sean left, he'd already been promoted to the assistant college scouting director, which would be above a national scout, but below the college scouting director. And so the role changed, whatever. But you would think that that would be a strength, especially coming from SEC territory, that he would kind of be in those circles and maybe there was like a blind spot there or whatever. But uh, it's there isn't a lot of information out there, so all you can really do is just guess. And the Broncos, just over the past 20 years or so, have had one of the smallest 
front offices when it comes to player personnel. So mm-hmm. they certainly have room to grow this. And they've also now have the ownership money mm-hmm. to grow this because there's no salary cap for what you pay your coaches. There's yeah. no salary cap for what you pay your front office. There's no salary cap to what you do to your buildings or the stadium. And the Broncos are really maximizing all of this now. And so this is purely an addition here. And I think good news for George Payton. And I don't, we haven't been saying good news for George Payton in a while, but I now think that they're, Sean is allowing George with his help and input clearly with the New Orleans background uh, is allowing George to continue to grow um, his unit there. Um, and I think that can only mean good things. Mm-hmm. I think I think so. Why stability. not? Why not? And we'll never know if this was a good move or a bad move. I guess like if he winds up being like a GM somewhere, I'll be like, oh, yeah, I stopped there. Who knows how much say he had? <laughs> Who knows if he was the one saying like, actually, don't pick this guy. But they're like, nah, we're going to do it. anyway. we will never really know if this worked out or not. Do you like that the Broncos are becoming the Denver Saints? <laughs> Does it bother you? Is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? Um, I think it happens with every coach. Yeah. That changes uh, to a different team. I think there was a time when Kubiak came and then we started getting all these guys from the Texans. 100%. Uh, and there was a time even when I went to uh, the Vikings, um, like I had coaches from the Broncos, I had <laughs> yeah. former teammates from yeah. the Broncos. Like they kind of just bring in players because and personnel. Was OC, because right? Kubiak yeah. was the OC, yeah, yeah. And um, it just kind of happens. So yeah. I think it's just, it's just part of the, the nature of the beast. Like if you're Sean and you say, I need to add somebody to my front office who doesn't have like a huge like decision-making role, but is kind of like part of the group that's going to talk things through. You either get to go interview like 10 random people from around the league who maybe a couple guys have said, he's smart, he's going to be good. And you can either spend like two hours with them and be like, yes, you are on my team for the next year. And we're going to spend hours and hours and hours. Or you can say, I was already with this guy for like years and years and years. If if you think that he's like good at his job, how could you ever not choose him? Like, it, like Todd said, like that's why all that happens. Like, uh-huh. When when you see you have a problem at tight end and you can go get Adam Troutman for cheap and you know what he does, like you can either do that or you can roll the dice on a guy you've never met and just offer him, like you know, like yeah, I you, mean, it's the safe option. Okay, boom. we're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform. With over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Boom. We're back. The fire alarm <laughs> is off. Man, we said some great things. Crazy though. stuff. We yeah. solved it. We gave the Super Bowl picks. Yeah. Gave the instant winners. Told you guys the script. Yep. We yep. got the Super Bowl script. Yeah, all you right told now. us the script. Yeah. <laughs> Talk some shit about some of the bad comments in there. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. specifically Henry Chisholm that's in no. there. Come on, you're in that comment section. <laughs> yeah, I had good stuff. I, I, I had the best comments of the day in there. 
Well, I think that was like a natural ending point for that conversation anyways. The fire alarm just helped us with that. Uh, so. so should we dive into the comment section? Let's do it. Do we have any super chats you hear? Nope. We have no question. We, uh, okay, well, question. let's hit that question. Coming in from Logan says, would you trade the 12th pick and Russ to a team to take on the contract? The NBA does this wow. all the time by trading bad contracts away and first-round picks to get them off. Would the 12th be worth it? So this reminds me, this has happened in the NFL once. Mm -hmm. You know who, Todd? No, I don't. Your former teammate, quarterback, Brock Osweiler. Really? Was traded when he signed mm -hmm. that big deal with the Texans. The te after it was a disaster, the Texans traded him to the Browns and traded a second-round pick to get rid of him. Because of the contract, and the Browns had a lot of salary cap space. That's a <laughs> crazy position to be in. Yeah, yeah. It's funny because people like make a big deal out of it and all the money that he has played to the Houston Texans, but five years later, he could not care less. Oh. He is living a great life. Yeah. <laughs> all the, all the money Montana. that was supposed to hit his bank account has hit yeah. his bank account, yep. and he's loving life right now. I think yep. he retired at 27 or 28. That's now, like early 30s, it. he's already... He has his next job as a broadcaster for ESPN. Like, mm -hmm. he's good. Yeah, he's <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I ran through the numbers like a couple months ago, and I never actually posted them. Um, but I went back and looked at that trade. And basically, so, like, there's, like, the draft trade charts. So you can look at what the the Brown, or what the Texans gave up to, to get rid of him and see, like, what the difference in trade points was. And I did that, then inflated the his contract number based on the Broncos salary or the current salary cap because okay. the salary cap's like almost doubled since then and basically 16.25 million dollars is worth the first pick of the third round so in that case like wait Brock's or Russ's um right now just in general just yeah. regardless of who it is like oh, first six, I, see, I see yeah so 16.25 million dollars you get that off your books it should cost mm. you about the first pick of the third round um, so $80 million. <laughs> <laughs> that's a lot of first picks in the third round. Uh, um, so, yeah, that's basically how it worked. But then the other piece of it, there's two other pieces. One is there's, like, some weird things. Like, a, I think it's, like, a $20 million bonus that Russ gets um, in March. So it's unclear if that's tradable. A bunch of a bunch of the cap hit is for money you've already spent. So it's unclear how much of the contract you could actually restructure for the new team to take on. You could... At the minimum, you could trade $17 million of it, but it's unclear how much more you could change the contract to like convert into that. Um, and then the other piece is, if you were to... We don't know if Russ has a trade, no trade clause. It seems like he probably does, but I don't I think, think that's official. Does. Everybody thinks he does. Nobody for sure says he definitely does. Um, but that means that he could just say, screw you, I'm not doing this. And so that's the kicker. But then also whenever you try to restructure to make it so the new team takes on more money, he also could just say, like, I don't want to restructure. Like, screw you guys. Yep. So it's unlikely to happen is the point. But if it were to happen, in theory, you should be able to, like, save that 17 million bucks for about a third round pick. And another thing, though, is the Broncos will likely have dead cap too even if they trade him oh definitely i yeah. mean because any any money that they've already paid him but right. haven't accounted for right that is the, like there's no if you give somebody the money you pay the salary cap hit it is that simple um yep. and because they've given them all those bonuses that haven't hit the cap yet like that's there will be a, a, at least a big chunk that okay. they still have to pay so let's go into fantasy world really quick you can get rid of the entire contract all the dead money for the 12th pick but you don't have a first round pick or a second round pick this year would you do that 
If it's in fantasy world. Yep. Your first pick is the third round, but you don't have any dead cat from Russ. And he's also gone. <laughs> I think in the long term, yes. Like it will be, it will still hurt us this year because we're probably going to use a backup quarterback as our starter. Yeah. Um, but we may be able to bring in a couple good pieces now, at least, and then put them on long-term deals and then go get a quarterback next year. So I think long-term, yes, yeah. but in the short term, it's still going to hurt either way. Still going to wow. hurt. Wow. It's actually – so in th if, if my math was right, that $85 million should cost you the eighth pick in the draft. So number mm. 12, you'd be getting a bit of a deal. Number 12th and third yeah. round pick. So now you don't have anything until the fourth yeah. round. Yeah. Could you imagine how much George Payton would hate his life? Oh, terrible. <laughs> you have to get a quarterback and you don't have a pick until the fourth round. At least you have some money. Yeah, at least man, you have some money. Man. All right, let's dive into the comments on the website. First one coming in from M. Cool McCoolis says, Hey guys, is anyone from DNVR going to the Pro Bowl? Thanks. We will not be. Todd no. was our only hope. Yeah. <laughs> Decided not to play. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, the Pro Bowl. Yeah. Honestly, I've never had any pro interest like before this job or during this job at going to the Pro Bowl. Um, it's probably something that if it were in Denver, I would like go to the Pro oh, Bowl definitely. experience or mm -hmm. something. But I'd be curious. I mean, because there's got to be like a similar to like a radio row there. Like, you would think you'd be able to get guests. Like, at the very least, you could go get interviews for the podcast. Yeah. You know? But like, we've never done it, yeah. so just don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Next one coming in from the Danimal says, I'm definitely glad we didn't hire Kyle Shanahan when we had the chance. Who would want a coach that's seen four conference championships and two Super Bowls without a franchise quarterback when we could have had a leader by men, death by inches, the court jester, and someone took cool to talk to local media? At least the DNVR content we got out of it was fire. Not was fire. sure about the football part. Yeah. yeah, I mean, Kyle Shanahan's a hell of a coach. Mm -hmm. He still needs to win a Super Bowl he needs in a my quarterback. book to yeah. get all of... It is... Yeah. He needs but... a quarterback. Like, they've tried, though. They've given oh, yeah. Jimmy Garoppolo the biggest contract in NFL history. They've, uh, or at least highest paid quarterback, which I'm sure is NFL history too. Um, they've traded all the way up. They've traded everything to go get their guy in the draft. Yeah. And now credit to him. He's doing this with Mr. Irrelevant, but like he's identified a quarterback twice and is now swung and missed with those guys now. Yeah, some. I mean, some guys are great, but they can't do everything. You know, maybe you can do everything but find a quarterback. Yeah, yeah. Bring somebody else in there to do that, but he can handle everything else. It's kind of fun though because, like, I really think that in, unless you have Patrick Mahomes and maybe maybe there's one or two others, you just can't win a Super Bowl if you're paying a quarterback. Like they they just get paid too much. It's inefficient. Like you're better off spending that. I mean, if you're paying forty million dollars for a top ten quarterback. You could just go get, I mean, imagine throwing Nick Bosa and, I don't know, a great running back, Christian McCaffrey. Imagine throwing Nick Bosa and Christian McCaffrey onto um, the Bengals in exchange for Joe Burrow. Like, that's kind of the numbers. And actually, he's above 40, so it'd be even more. You could throw another player in there, too. Uh, and so I do think the numbers show up. And so it's kind of turned into this experiment because all they're really lacking now is the pick that they used on Trey Lance. So they aren't because like you said, like they've tried the quarterback thing. And so at different points, they've like been paying a quarterback. They did use that draft pick, but outside of that, they've kind of been just the experiment of what happens if you don't pay a quarterback. And it turns out it goes pretty well. 
Like, you need to do other things really well for that to work. Like, you need to hit. But that's also true if you have the quarterback is, like, you can't totally screw up, except maybe if you're the Chiefs, you can. So it's been kind of fun to see that that's just how it's worked out. And I do think that there's something you can take away, which is that if you don't blow money on quarterback and spend it in other places and you draft well, you quarterback quarterback might be kind of an inefficient way to spend your money at this point, which, again, is, like, a crazy thing to say, but... Within five years, I wouldn't be surprised if that's what everybody's saying. Quarterback salaries go down because it's just not sustainable to spend that much money if you want to actually win anything. Yeah, but two weeks ago, or no, eight days ago, Mm -hmm. the eight teams that were left in the playoffs, seven of them were first-round quarterbacks. Mm -hmm. One of them wasn't, and it's it's this one. So I think this is the anomaly not going to be the trend. But the question isn't... I don't think like it's it's not what he was as a college player. It's what you invested and what right. the Lions invested in Jared Goff is not much. His cap hits thirty one million bucks this year. Like that is not a big investment in a quarterback. And on top of that, they were getting more in return because they were giving up Matt Stafford. So there's actually like the thirty one plus player. I mean, you look at Baker Mayfield, the investment they made that was not a big investment either. Brock Purdy, not a big investment. Lamar, big investment obviously. But also, I don't. I wonder what his cap hit was this year because first year of a big deal it it might not have been that big all right we got to get out of here this is a big conversation that we'll certainly dive into but one super chat coming in from fezzy d says are we in for another decade of suck i didn't want to get into that conversation today Mm -hmm. but at some point and we will over the next two weeks look at just what this another Super Bowl appearance means for the Broncos, how they attack. Is it best to build up the defense to stop Mahomes? Is it best to go get firepower to compete with them? We'll dive into that later this week. Thank you all so much for rolling with us. Hit us with a thumbs up on your way out. We really appreciate you. We'll see you tomorrow, 11 a.m.
myself Now you don't 